Our scripture lesson comes out of 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 13. The Apostle Paul writes, If I speak in the tongues of mortals and angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all of my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part, but when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. Now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. The greatest of these is love. The word of the Lord. The people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. I wonder how many of you out there were in band. Maybe you're still in band. But perhaps in your younger days when you were in school, were you in band? I was. I was a trumpet player. And I can remember over the course of the years when all the way through my younger days and and through high school and even in college, I played in band as well. And it was always wonderful and I loved it. I I did a lot of different types of band. I did concert band, I did pep band, I did marching band, I did jazz band, I did kind of all these different options were out there. And depending on which style of band I was in at the moment, I would always during practice time be standing or sitting kind of in a different place. But for the most part, the most common one that lasted all year long was always our concert band. And our practice location where I, as a trumpet player, I would sit kind of in the second row and directly behind me, like right back here behind me was the percussion. And it was snare drums and bass drums and cymbals and bells and all the various types of percussion instruments. And here's the thing that makes me think of all this. In the early days, when we would first start with new music especially, something that none of us were really familiar with, and the the, the percussion was right behind me banging away and whichever style of instrument or whatever kind it was, it was loud. It was distracting, and sometimes I couldn't even think straight because I had all this happening right behind me. It was just loud and distracting. You know, I was talking about that idea a few days ago with a group of people, a group of individuals, and and talking about this passage and talking about that very thing about how the percussion behind me was, was so distracting. And one of the ladies says, but you were a trumpet player, right? And I said, yeah. And she says, who sat in front of you? And I said, well, usually it was the, the flutes or the clarinets or the woodwinds, sometimes the saxophones would be right there. And she says, how loud and distracting do you think your trumpet was for those people who were sitting in front of you? And you know what? She was right. And she really helped me realize and it illuminated this idea 
that every single part of that band, those individual sounds, those individual instruments, those individual people were all giving their own thing and their own part of it. And by themselves, especially when things are unfamiliar and not really well polished, it could be loud, it could be distracting, and every single thing comes from its own direction to be this cacophony of weird, weird, weird sound. But as everything begins to meld together and everyone starts doing their part correctly and bringing their gift to the table and it's polished and it sounds good and it's wonderful, all these different sounds join together into something beautiful. That seems to be the idea that's behind this passage that we have shared today out of 1 Corinthians. Now, to really get into it, we need to understand some of the background of what's going on. 1 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians for that matter, but 1 Corinthians was written by a guy named Paul. Now, Paul was an apostle. He was one who was sent by Jesus. He had this encounter with the risen Jesus, which utterly changed his life. And he went from someone who hated Christianity and was persecuting it to one of its most ardent followers and important teachers, one of the most important individuals in spreading Christianity around the known world during the first century after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So Paul, he travels around in many different places, and it was his role, it was his goal, it was his gift to proclaim the gospel, to teach about it, and to help establish these different churches, these different groups of believers within communities. And he would spend time with them and help build them up and get them going, and then he would move on to another location. He always maintained contact with these different groups, these different churches, though. It was very, very important for him to do that. And in this particular instance, he had been in the city of Corinth, and he had helped establish this church. But then after he moved on, someone else came in with a different viewpoint, with a different style of teaching, and kind of helped lead them in a different direction. And there's because of that, there is some dissension that has come into that community, into that church. There's division over, are we followers of Paul or are we followers of Apollos? Apollos was this other guy that, that had kind of come in and, and was starting to cause some issues. And what Paul wants to do, what Paul wants to address is to remind them that they are one community, that together they are all the body of Christ and that they are followers of Christ, not of Paul or Apollos. So that really seems to be at the heart of this entire letter, specifically this the smaller section of the letter and definitely this individual portion all stems from this one body of Christ with many members, none of which are more important than any other one. That is the basis for everything that he's talking about. Now, when he goes into it, Paul is also recognizing the, his gifts and his role within the body of Christ that he brings. Remember, he was, he was one who would proclaim the gospel and he was a teacher. But he also recognizes the importance of our motivation. And Paul starts talking about, if I speak in the tongues of mortals, if I speak in the language that you understand, but I do not have love, I am a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal or a blaring trumpet or a squeaking woodwind or a out-of-tune trombone, whatever instrument you want to use if we stick with that band metaphor. He recognizes the importance of love and care 
in the work that, of ministry that he participates in and that every single one of us, including those members of his audience then, as well as us as his audience today, that we are all part of the body of Christ and no single part is more important than the other. And we are all called to bring our gifts, to bring our role, to bring our part forward in mutual love and respect for one another. That is everything that he is setting up in, in both beforehand and in this opening part. And then we have this portion of scripture that very, very commonly shows up in weddings. I can't tell you the number of weddings that I've, I've been at or been a part of that featured this, this passage. And you know what? It's kind of fitting because what is a wedding other than the celebration of two individuals coming together into a new relationship. And that is at the basis of this. Now, Paul is, of course, talking about the relationship that lies within a congregation or within a church or within a faith community as the body of Christ. The wedding is the celebration of, a, of an entity no, or a relationship of two people, but it's the same type of idea. And then we get into it. What is love? Well, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not arrogant or boastful or rude. It is not self-serving. It loves, it bears all things. It, 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 it brings hope in all things. True love amongst individuals who are in relationship, regardless of the relationship that it is, it needs to be the mutual respect and the mutual benefit of one another. That is the basis for what Paul is talking about. I think that's true if we're talking about a marriage. I think that's true if we're talking about a faith community, if we're talking about a group of friends, if we're talking about people in a family or people in a town or people within a country or people within a world, whatever it wants to say, it's about the mutual love and respect we have for one another. And are we bringing that into whatever it is that we are doing, whatever it is that we are bringing to the table in our little part of this community, this relationship that we are all Love is the key. Now, when we start to talk about love, and maybe when we reference weddings and we start to talk about all this thing, especially here at this time of year as we're at the tail end of January and we're moving into February, which, which let's be honest, Hallmark loves and the joyful thing that we know as Valentine's Day, we probably start to be thinking love as the wonderful foo-foo, uh, very 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 romantic type of things that's perhaps what we think of when we say love but here's the thing i gotta say the greek language which is what paul would have written in has a one-up on english from this we have the word love and it covers a lot of bases doesn't it the greek language had six different words for love and it covers the basis from the love that's expressed for your fellow human beings and simple hospitality to the 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 relationship that exists between parents and children to the loving friendship that exists between people to the more romantic intimate type of love that that hallmark really kind of likes all the way up to perfect all-in sacrificial love and that word right there is agape now maybe you've heard this before maybe you haven't it's okay if you haven't but agape means just that it is a true all in love in which you are willing to sacrifice yourself sometimes literally for the sake of the other this is a word 
that we actually hear quite a bit within the scriptures, especially in the gospel of John. Now, perhaps you've heard the very famous passage, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For God so agaped the world that he gave his only son. Later on, Jesus himself will use that same word, agape, love, in a command that he gives to his followers, to his disciples. He says, this is how the world will know that you are my disciple, if you love one another, if you agape one another. And greater love has nothing than this, than that one person would be willing to lay down his life for his friends. Perfect all-in, sacrificial love that does not place the self at center. It is for the mutual benefit of one another, those that we are in relationship with. This is the word that Paul is using when when he is encouraging his audience to have unity for one another and with one another as the body of Christ. Now, unity and love for one another doesn't mean we always agree. It doesn't mean that we all think exactly the same way about everything, but it means that we are willing to be there for one another and that we are willing to step our own self-interest aside for the mutual benefit of everyone. Now, what does that look like in the world? I think it looks amazing. And maybe, just maybe, we get a little tiny glimpse of that in the very last thing that Paul says. He says, faith, hope, and love abide, these three. The greatest of these is love. Now, when I think about the idea of faith, hope, and love, these are things that are expressed within the church, or at least they're supposed to be. And what is it? Well, faith is believing that God is going to do what God says, what God has promised. And the promise is that you are claimed as beloved child, and that is a promise which will never go away. This promise and this faith gives us hope, even in the midst of hard stuff, even in the midst of the times which we don't know if we can handle or not. We have a hope that this world, tough as it is, doesn't get the last word in our story. God does. And the basis for the hope that we find in the promises made by God that we believe in is God's love for us expressed through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, modeled for us, which then Paul and Jesus both expressed to us as being the signs of of the church, the signs that we are the followers of Christ, that we are the body of Christ if we love one another and have this perfect, sacrificial, all-in love. Now, here's the thing. Any of us individually, we can try really hard, but we're going to mess it up. But the church as a whole, the body of Christ, people in relationship will model this for one another and will also model it for a world which is desperate for this glimmer of hope and love. That's what we are called to model. May that be our prayer. May that be our goal. May that be what motivates us, whether we really buy into this whole church thing and this whole faith thing or, and this God thing, or maybe we're just kind of wondering about it and wondering, well, what is it about that that is so appealing, and maybe we're just exploring that, but can we model that love for one another and for this world that we are a part of? I hope so. That is my prayer for you today.